0: The scripture today is Matthew 5, 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, the disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and prosecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. And in the same way, they persecuted the prophets. So
1: this morning we uh, pick up Matthew. We've been talking about Matthew, or talking through the book of Matthew. And... Uh, Up until this point, it's it's been a lot of stories about Jesus. We had a story about Jesus' birth and the coming of the Magi and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, We had the story of Jesus being baptized by John in the wilderness. We have the story of Jesus uh, going out into the wilderness and being tested by the devil. And then we have a story of Jesus uh, gathering his... Disciples together and teaching and healing in Galilee and spreading the good news that the kingdom of God has drawn near. And now in chapter 5 represents a little shift. Uh, Matthew, is this, I'm going to get a little nerdy on you here, but uh, Matthew is everyone's favorite gospel historically. In fact, that's why Matthew is listed first in your Bible. We had so many copies of Matthew that everyone thought that Matthew was the first one written. In fact, Mark was the first one written. Matthew was written some 20 years after Mark. But uh, there were so many copies of Matthew that every, they stuck it at the very beginning because they assumed that that was the first, uh, the first gospel that was written. And there, it's, not, it's not surprising that Matthew is everyone's favorite gospel because Matthew just is so organized in his writing. In fact, most uh, scholars think that Matthew, in addition to just being a, a gospel narrative, was meant to serve as kind of a catechism class outline for uh, new, new Christians who were seeking to be baptized. Back in the day it, it would take like two years of study before you were allowed to get baptized. Now we kind of we any ain't all comers. <laughs> Let's jump on in there. But they and, and many think that Matthew was used as kind of a, a curriculum for outline because it's divided neatly into five narrative sections, five storytelling sections, and then five discourse sections, five teaching sections. And uh, Matthew 5 begins the first of these teaching sections and it begins with what we call the beatitudes Um, and and the beatitudes begin with this wonderful kind of repetitive way of saying uh, saying different things before i get into that i have to say there's it's also significant that in matthew jesus goes to teach his disciples and where does jesus go he goes up onto a mountain well if we read kind of the same section in luke Jesus comes down onto the onto the plane. What's going on there? Well, the being down on a level plane in Luke is significant for Luke's narrative. It means that Jesus is among the people and, and on an even level with the people. Matthew has a different wants to convey a different kind of symbolism in that. And Matthew, send anytime anything significant is happening in Matthew anytime there is something that we really need to pay attention to or that uh, that informs us about who Jesus is and what Jesus is about and the important things Jesus goes up onto the mountain and I'll tell you why because in the Old Testament significant things happen on mountains the giving of the Ten Commandments is the main thing that comes to mind Moses went up Mount Sinai and spent 40 days up there and received the Ten Commandments. So as Jesus goes up onto the mountain, we're, we're kind of reminded in Matthew that Jesus is a new Moses, bringing deliverance to God's people and breaking the chains of oppression, breaking the chains of sin, breaking the chains that whatever our chains are that hold us back from experiencing new life and experiencing full communion with god and this happens throughout matthew's uh, narrative jesus goes up onto the mountain for the transfiguration jesus prays to god for relief in the mount of olives right in gethsemane before going out into the uh, to be crucified and so significant things Happen on mountains in uh, in the book of Matthew. And and as Jesus begins his teaching, he begins with this kind of repetitive, rhetorical prose here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It was, follows this kind of formula, and he uses the word blessed. Some of some of your translations, and oftentimes the word. That is is replaced for blessed is happy. Happy are those who are uh, uh, you know, who are poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. And it, it, that doesn't quite, the, the Greek word mark, markarios doesn't quite uh, that happy or even blessed doesn't quite capture the breadth and depth of what that word can mean. And I think in the context we're talking about here, a better understanding is that is, is one who is privileged and receiving divine favor. So uh, privileged and receiving divine favor are those who are poor in spirit. In other words, God has your back. <laughs> Whatever is going on right now, God is going to be with you. God is with you now. God is with you tomorrow. God is with you in the end. God's got your back. So you can relax, you can feel good, things are going to be okay, it's all going to work out. So, blessed, God has your back. (laughs) It kind of works that way. Uh, And the first, and these are kind of divided up, the first three of these blessings are, uh, the names out those who are kind of paradoxically, Uh, special recipients of God's divine favor. And I say it's a paradox because these are not normally things we think of as uh, things that that express God's favor. You know, in, in Old Testament times, and quite frankly, even now, for some reason, we think people who are rich, people who are powerful, people who are celebrated by society, you know, the royal family or... You know, Britney Spears, or or uh, any, or Beyonce, or all those celebrities, football heroes—dare I uh, say—are lifted up. And we seem to think that they are the privileged and touched with divine favor. Somehow, somehow, God has blessed them in a particular way over and against everyone else. And what Jesus seems to be saying is, no, you know what? We're going to find those who are experiencing the worst things, the worst part of life and that's who God is going to favor in the kingdom of heaven right? uh, the poor and, and Matthew in, in Luke it's just the poor Matthew wants to expand it a little bit and he says the poor in spirit uh, I'm not sure what he means by that but it kind of softens the blow other than to say those who are kind of longing for something that's missing who are, who are missing out on something within themselves so it expands it beyond just food and shelter and, and your daily needs but to those who are, who are aching in their spirit for something more than they already have and blessed are those who mourn uh, God favors those who are in mourning right now who have experienced loss loss of a loved one yes but but we've all lost many different things and we can mourn a lot of things Loss of security in one's own life, loss of dreams and hopes, loss of uh, you know homes and and cars and jobs and family members and relationships. There's a lot of things that prompt our mourning. What God says is, we will be comforted. Those who mourn will be comforted. God will bring about a divine comfort to you blessed are the meek I want, to, I want to talk about this word meek a little bit uh this is this has been seen a bit pejorative in uh in our society we you know you don't want to be milk toast right i don't uh, you don't want to be uh weak and uh cowardly and meek doesn't mean any of those things Uh, In in this connotation, meek means someone who is able to maintain self-control even in the midst of uh, uh, of violence or, or aggression or chaos. And so when I think of meek, I think of powerful people like Gandhi or Martin Luther King Jr. or Oscar Romero who stood firm. Against violent oppression, and did it in a way that brought about the, the, the that drew a contrast to the way the world ought to be and the way the world seemed to be at the moment. And uh, they are he- they are our heroes, those meek individuals who stood up and said, "Now wait a minute, we're gonna we're gonna fight this a different way," and and who stand up for things. Jesus. Uh, the word that's used here is is often used in talking about Jesus and the things that Jesus does. For example, in front of Pontius Pilate or in front of uh, in front of Herod uh, toward the end of his life. So uh, those those first three are kind of they're not really things we do. They're they're conditions we find ourselves in. The world has kind of brought us to. Uh, we don't go out looking to mourn, it just happens to us. Uh, we don't go out looking to be poor, it just happens. And sometimes it's our fault, sometimes it's someone else's fault, sometimes it's the domination system we live in that seems to be working against uh, the, those who, who don't already have. So the next four blessings are actually kind of practices. Right? These are things that we are called to do. And these are the parts that we don't really, we don't really like to talk about. Because they seem to be, they seem to be pretty big deals, uh, and and pretty uh, they they have a lot of challenges in regards to them. These four these four blessings represent practices that embody the hoped for kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Well. That sounds like a lot of things that people not like me do, <laughs> right? I'm not really uh, a, a righteousness kind of person. Anyone who knows me knows that's true. Uh, but really, here again, what what is righteousness about? The righteousness of God, the righteousness that is expressed to us in the Bible, is really about being in right relationship between ourselves and God and ourselves and each other. Right? It's best expressed. This idea of righteousness, I think, is best expressed in the Hebrew term shalom, which, you know, literally translates peace. But it's more than that. It's a peace that comes through being in a a right relationship with God. In other words, God and I—we're solid. We, you know, we've got that connection. There's no there's no issues between us. We're just, you know, we're just chilling, and it's good. Our relationship is good. Same with each other. You know? Things are good. I, you know, I don't you don't have anything against me right now. I've I've apologized for those things I've said and you've accepted my apology and we've moved on, right? That's that's kind of a right relationship between ourselves or or you know, I'm I'm fully aware of your things that are going on and you're fully aware of mine and we pray with and for each other. That's a right That's a right relationship. I feel like I can be myself around you. You feel like you can be yourself around me, and we have it like that. Uh, Imagine the the whole of creation being that way. Well, that's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of heaven. We have a hard time imagining that, but that's the kind of world that Jesus envisioned for us. And so when we talk about righteousness, it's much bigger than just... You know, making sure you don't cuss in front of uh, ladies, right? <laughs> Stuff like that. Uh, so, uh, 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 blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Uh, expressing mercy, giving, giving out forgiveness, taking pity on those, even, even when it's their own fault sometimes. This is difficult. I, my, uh, my former father-in-law, who's, who's long deceased, his name was Walt. And he was a character. And uh, when he when he had brain cancer, we would go to this really divey bar. I'm gonna, the, it's, we, in Ogden. There was this really divey bar, and I can't remember the name of it. But it was it was one of those places where if I walked in without Walt, every like the the record player would stop, and everyone would turn around and look at me. And I would go, I'm with Walt. Anyway, his doctor allowed him to have one. Uh, one whiskey a day, and, and so, so we, we would, would go, go down to this divey bar on 25th Street, and we would get, we, and I would join him for one whiskey a day down there. Anyway, this guy, this guy who wanders in uh, off the street. Is, is kind of a this, uh, this guy. He's a bum, basically. That's a, it was a, a hobo that wandered in off the street who knew Walt. Right? That's the kind of guy he was. He knew all the hobos. Anyway, he comes walking in. He was already kind of three sheets to the wind. And uh, he's like, hey, man, Walt, you know, loan me a beer. Will you? Can I have a beer? How about a beer? And uh, so Walt orders him a beer. And, and uh, after, after he left, I started lecturing my father. And I'm like, you know, uh, you're kind of just enabling this guy's problems. He's going to be And, and, uh. You have to forgive me, but this is what Wall said. He turns to me and goes, Oh, for hell's sakes, let the man have a beer. And I'm like, yeah, I, You know what? You're right. <laughs> he's got a pretty rough life out there. He's, a, you know, he's living on the street. He's going from place to place. He's, he's barely hanging on, got all kinds of health problems. No one's going to hire him for a job. Let the man have a beer. <laughs> you know? So there, I learned a little lesson that day. Sometimes, sometimes, even in sometimes you just take mercy on people. And, 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 you and you give them a break. break. And, and you cut them some slack. Blessed are those who have some mercy. Because they're going to receive some mercy in return. And you all know the truth of that. You all experience that. Blessed are the pure in heart. That sounds like a hard one. Blessed are the pure in heart. Uh, well, that's the, the problem with this one is that these are the things that, uh, that only you know about. right? Because you can do good things for all the wrong reasons <laughs> your motivation in your heart you, can, you know you can you can do all kinds of great things you can say all the right stuff and, uh, and accomplish the right things but in your heart of hearts you're selfish you're self-centered you're calculating you're motivated by whatever and it's it, you know you're motivated by selfish and, and, and evil things or whatever this pure of heart business this is between you and God I'm not going to be able to know it's all that stuff you do when no one's watching. It's all those things you, you kind of go through in your mind. And, it, and so these, all four of these, it really calls us and challenges us to look at ourselves and examine ourselves. It takes some work. It takes deliberate action. That's why Jesus is calling these out. Jesus is saying, you are going to be blessed if you take the time within yourself, if you work at it. If you catch yourself, you know, wanting to do something good but hoping to get something else in return or maybe this will make me look good or maybe this, you know, I'll get some kudos for this kind of stuff and, and I'm going to, you know, people are going to, people are going to love me if I just do this kind of stuff and I'll get all that love and all. if we, if we take the time to kind of check our motivations and wonder about why we're doing things. And look for those moments of pure heartness, pure of heartness, when our motivations are pure. And try and instill within ourselves, focus on where, where am I compassionate? Where can I, where can I find that place within me that is all about compassion and not about my own well-being or my own needs or my own thoughts? Uh, it's so easy to be selfish and fake it. Uh, but God calls us to something higher, and and the final one, or oh, and the the next one here is be blessed are the peacemakers. This is akin to being meek. Uh, not everyone. There's no Western out there, uh, and I've looked. There is no Western out there, and I'm frustrated by this because I love Westerns. But there is no Western out there where, in the end, even the most ardent and, and even the even the best peacemakers out there. Jimmy Stewart in Who Shot Liberty Valance? The meekest guy in the world. He's a, he's a lawyer. Comes out into the West with all of his books and gets thrown in the mud and tossed around. Even him, in the end, stood there with a gun in his hand. <laughs> right? Jesus says, I'm sorry, that's not good enough. Shane, I love Shane. Come back, Shane. But Shane, in the end, the message is, eventually you got to pick up the gun. That's the wrong... Jesus doesn't have that message. If Jesus were writing a Western, no one would go to it because there's no one grabbing a gun in the end because blessed are the peacemakers. If you want to see what the kingdom of God looks like, you got to put away the gun. Amen? Amen. My Lord. This translates to our world today. If you want to see what the kingdom of God looks like, you got to put away the gun. I'd love to see a Western like that, but I doubt it's coming. So all of these, they're they're a challenge for us. And and they're things, they're exercises we do in our own heart and our own mind. And the final one here, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. In other words, those who who, who are despised and hated because of Jesus. You can tell... That in Matthew's community, this is exactly what was going on at the time. You can tell that because it's got like four sentences to explain that one. So you can tell that that one was of particular interest to Matthew's community at the time. Which suggests to me, they must have been feeling persecuted. Either real or perceived, they were feeling persecuted. And so this comes as an extra word of hope to them. Blessed are you when your family kicks you out of the synagogue because you won't shut up about Jesus... Blessed are you because everyone calls you a cult. Blessed are you because the Romans think you're atheist because you only believe in one God. And, you know, blessed are you when everyone kind of reviles you and thinks you're silly or, or thinks you're ridiculous for the, for the things you do. Uh, and, and God will bless you for that. Which, which brings me to my final point here in that the powerful and the privileged in this world when we are able to tap into these blessings, when we are able to tap into this, this place where we are divinely favored because God is, is showing the kingdom of heaven through us. When we live it out in a very real way, when we put down the guns and we, and we make peace when we approach things with meekness and self-control, when we, when we uh, do thirst to have that right relationship and hunger to be in good relationship with each other, when we do these things, the world will hate us for it. The po- not the world necessarily, but the powers that be, the people who are in power, the people who are privileged right now, they are going to hate us for it. Right. It's not that people are going to go, oh, look how look at those goody-goody Christians. No. It's that the people in power are going to go, hey, you are disrupting the system that we have in place that is designed to keep people down. And when you start making peace, when we designed violence to keep things chaotic so that everything's out of control so we know what's going on and you don't, we don't like it. And when you come around making peace, when I'm making a lot of money off of Israel and Palestine being at war with each other perpetually, you're really throwing a wrench in the works. And I don't like it. The world will hate us when we start undermining the systems that have broken this world and keep it broken. And that's exactly what Jesus intends us to do. Amen? You can amen that. That's exactly what Jesus intends us to do. And it's my hope that all of us, not, o- not only will we experience the joy of living a full and abundant life that Jesus promises, a-, a life that's that's filled with the weight of guilt and shame off of our shoulders, but one that is in communion with each other and communion with God. Not only will we experience the blessings of that, but it's my hope that as we live out these blessings, that we too will threaten the status quo, and will undermine the domination system of the world that's in place today. Not all that different than the one that was in place during Jesus' time, that, that threatens to destroy our world, threatens to thwart the kingdom of God, and it is only us We who have embraced a new vision, a different vision, a kingdom of heaven where God is in charge and not Caesar and not any other powerful being. It's only us who cast this vision. And as we do, it undermines the world we live in today. It's my prayer that that's exactly what we do. That as we live into these very high ideals that Jesus lays in front of us, the world around us will begin to be transformed. And we will see the kingdom of heaven all around us. Let us pray. Our loving and gracious God, we we hear you and we, we hear this challenging word to us, this teaching, that the kingdom of heaven really depends on our interaction with the world today. We pray that our interactions will mirror your own, that we will embrace these blessings that you lavish on us and expect from us. We ask this in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.